Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A marketing day that saw some higher numbers on the grain complex as we saw a lot of negativity feels going on for the cattle. We're going to take a look at what some of these influences are. A lot of them, no surprise, ladies and gentlemen, goes back to what's happening globally, not only with Russia and Ukraine, but let's talk about China and Brazil. We're going to do that and a whole lot more as we look at today's numbers with Arlen Suderman. Arlen's with Stonex, and I think we got to start out with another Russian attack. The big question is, what's next? Yeah, what's next, I think, is the big question. I was asked earlier today why the modest increase in grain and oilseed prices, because that would suggest that maybe the market really wasn't concerned about a Russia attack on Ukraine. And I would say that's right. What their concern is, what will Ukraine do in retaliation? Because earlier this summer, we saw when Russia was hitting Ukraine ports, Ukraine said, okay, we will hit back every time you hit us. So the next time Russia hit Ukraine, they hit back at a Russian port. And so then Russia went quiet for a little while. Now they've hit a Ukrainian port again. So now we're waiting for tonight whether Ukraine will hit back. And what will that look like? Because the market is not really concerned about the loss of Ukrainian trade through the Black Sea. What they're concerned about would be whether Russian shipments through the Black Sea get curtailed. Because we can get by with what Ukraine is able to ship over land uh, to the West through Europe. That's enough for us to get by. We have adequate supplies because Russia's flooding the world with cheap wheat right now and Brazil's flooding the world with cheap corn. But we can't get by if those shipments out of Russia are curtailed significantly, and that would be wheat and crude oil. And so we basically saw a bounce here today saying, okay, we're not really worried about Ukraine, and we don't think, you know, it wasn't a big a big reaction in the market because the market's saying we don't think that Ukraine has the ability to significantly shut down shipments out of Russia. But we're just nervous enough here that we're going to pause and we're going to take some profits on our short positions just in case Ukraine has something more than what we anticipate in their retaliation of Russia. So the eyes are definitely on that. And additional support came from the hot, dry weather uh, forecast for the Midwest here over the next couple of weeks. I want to jump back real quick to, to Russia. Don't they have, just like here in the U.S., they've got an allotted number that they have to have for exports. And there might be some concerns that they're not going to meet those export numbers? Oh, they do. Um, let's, let's face it. They're trying to fund their war effort in Ukraine. And so they need to sell as much wheat as possible. They need to sell, uh, get as much money for crude oil as possible. So they're working to... Uh, push those world values higher. If they can shut down Ukrainian grain and help push the, the price of wheat higher, that will help them. If they can uh, cut supplies using OPEC, which OPEC's been cooperating with them, particularly Saudi Arabia with the help of China, cut the supplies of oil and push prices of oil higher, that will help them. And so that's what they're trying to do. The bottom line is revenue. And if it's smaller bushels or smaller uh, barrels of oil, then they want higher prices for that. So, you know, in a combination, it gives them revenue for their war effort. Well, Arlen, there's some big concerns brewing as well when it comes to the economy in China right now. 
Yeah, China's got some problems with its economy, and some of the data that's been coming out this week has been very concerning. Uh, basically, they have a big unemployment problem among their youth and their their young people, and uh, so each year it's been getting worse and worse over the last four or five years, and then this year in June it kind of peaked out at, at its highs, and China just said, uh, we're not going to report it anymore in July, and so that really created fear among the consumer in China saying, well, then how bad must it be if they're not even reporting it? And so we saw in some of the data that came out this week, those discretionary consumer items uh, that people buy with discretionary income fell by 20 to 40% month on month in July. That signals a big problem for the economy there. Um, to go along with all the other data that we're seeing for China's economy hurting energy demand down, um, uh, just a lot of different areas. Um, they had also the second major property owned property company in China in a week that defaulted on payments. And uh, property makes up at least a fifth of GDP in China. It's a significant part of their economy. So there's a lot of fault lines right now in China's economy, and uh, there's growing concerns. I'm not in the camp that says China's about to collapse by any means, Um, but it is heading in the wrong direction. They don't seem to be able to fix it. And part of my concern is that when you have a government that's having trouble fixing things and, and the citizens are getting restless, what do you oftentimes do? You start directing the attention toward a foreign enemy, and that would be the United States. And so... Um, that does raise a risk some um, that we could see more of a challenge on uh, the international waters there of uh, the South China Sea and or around Taiwan. Well, and isn't there concerns, too, when it comes to exports? And if we have to continue this in the second half, we will. Um, export opportunities, especially for pork, um, into areas of China because of the economy. Yeah, absolutely. And what we're seeing now with Brazil's big soybean crop China is buying up a lot of soybeans to be imported this fall when it's our typically our peak export season of soybeans. That's going to dramatically reduce our exports, I fear. All right. Well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more to look at as we get ready for the second half here of the Fontenelle Final Bell. We'll continue to talk about what's happening in Brazil. They're cheaper beans. How cheap are they? And what's going to be some of the long-term effects? We'll take a look at the livestock side as well as you're along for the ride on the Wednesday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Summer is going fast and Husker Harvest Days is right around the corner. Please join us one final year in the Fontenelle Tent at the show September 12th through the 14th near Grand Island. There's plenty to talk about, including the merger into the new Channel Seed brand, our proven performance potential, and an expanded corn portfolio for 2024. So stop and see Fontenelle at Husker Harvest Days. The same local commitment with new possibilities. Always read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. KRVN. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we continue our conversation this afternoon with Arlen Suderman. Of course, Arlen is with StoneX, and we left off talking about China and their ability to make purchases and, and some concerns it's going to bring in for the, for the pork sector. But then you also turned to say that, hey, they're buying a lot of beans. They're doing so out of Brazil. What do you see as the short and long-term effects on our bean export opportunities? 
Well, I've been concerned because export demand for corn, soybeans, and wheat have all been very weak. You know, we've seen USDA recently cut the export target for old crop corn down to 1.625 billion bushels. That's down 775 million bushels from a year ago when they started projecting for this year, almost a third. Uh, if we look at wheat exports, 700 million bushels is the target for the current marketing year. If verified, that would be the lowest in 52 years. Then we look at soybeans. That's been a little bit better, um, but it, it's been really struggling here over the last three months or so. And uh, it's largely due, and the corn and soybeans are both largely due to Brazil having just this massive expansion of production. And China, of course, is a very close friend of Brazil. It's another BRIC nation. Brazil has a very cheap currency relative to the dollar, so that allows China to buy from them cheaper as well. And the Chinese buyer does tend to be very price conscious. And, and we've seen how they've been just buying up large stocks of soybeans. In fact, from the spring until what they've got booked for getting into the fall, we anticipate by the end of September, they will have accumulated about 12 million metric tons of soybeans above and beyond what they've crushed during the period. And so that's quite a few soybeans. And so what will they do with it? Right now, it looks like they've been moving it into their reserves. Will they pull that back out of their reserves to reduce what they need to buy from us this fall? We don't know that. I suspect what they'll do is they'll watch to see how the South American growing season gets started. And if they see it get starting on a good note, looks like Brazil's going to have a big crop, then they probably will pull a portion of that out, whether it's half of it, all of it, I don't know. Um, but to reduce what they buy from the United States. They started to do that somewhat this past year. It looks like they may do it again this year. But we're also seeing just direct competition during our fall export season. Typically, Brazil has run out of soybeans by now, and China is starting to come back to the United States to buy soybeans. But Brazil still has so much soybeans left that the farmers haven't sold yet um, that it is having an effect. China is usually aggressively buying new crop soybeans by now. They've been very slow to do so. A few weeks ago, they did pick up the pace because a Brazilian farmer simply didn't like the price. He quit selling. Their basis jumped 40 to 50 cents in a week's time. And suddenly, U.S. beans are cheaper. China came and started buying new crop beans for basically October, November delivery. Then the Brazilian farmers started selling once again on the recent strength in the market. Their basis weakened again. They became cheaper. And now Brazilian soybeans are like 15 to 20 cents cheaper than U.S. soybeans for that October-November time period. And we know that Chinese buyers have already bought about 2 million metric tons of soybeans for shipment in October, which is typically our peak export shipment season. So that's roughly about 2 million metric tons less soybeans, or about 75 million bushels less soybeans that we would ship in October than what we normally would if that totally displaces U.S. soybeans uh, to the one-to-one ratio there. So there are some real concerns about just how strong will our soybean shipment pace be as we go into the fall months, our peak export season. Are we going to switch gears a little bit here, Arlen? Are we going to continue to see a softer cattle market? And what we're seeing today, is that setting the tone? 
Yeah, we start seeing, uh, well, we did see some cattle move in the northern feedlot belt at around 188, which is kind of steady with last week. But in the southern belt, feedlot belt, it was at 179, which is a dollar cheaper. So when you look at the weak chart signals, you combine that with the softer cash market, even though the product market is strengthening with the slower chain speeds, the slower chain speeds are allowing the cattle market to start leaking lower cash market is. So the packers are being successful in getting what they want kind of here. And we've seen that cash market open up a little bit earlier this week. In past weeks, it's been the, the feeder has, excuse me, yeah, the feeder has had the leverage and has been waiting till Friday, Saturday to sell to the packer. This week, we're starting to see it midweek, and that's kind of reflecting that weaker tone. Lots of great things today, Arlen. And what's the one thing you want folks to keep in mind as we head towards the end of the week? Well, we are getting hotter and drier for the Midwest. And I think next week's Midwest crop tour is going to be critical because we've seen a lot of anecdotal reports about crop problems, especially in eastern Nebraska. But how widespread are those? And that crop tour will give us our best look to see just how widespread are the problems or not. And I think that will really have some significant impacts on the market. All right. Best way for folks to get a hold of you? StoneX.com. We're over on Twitter. My handle is Arlen, A-R-L-A-N-F-F-101. That is today's Fontenelle Final Bell. As we always remind you, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.